This is the Dealer News Today podcast, the podcast for automotive executives and the professionals who support them. Hey, hey there. What's going on, folks? And welcome, welcome, welcome to Dealer News Today. Thank you for being here. Episode 17 of Season 5 coming in hot right now. But don't forget... We have a ton of great past episodes and seasons with phenomenal guests. Just head to dealernewstoday.com and you can listen to any one of those on demand, simple as that. And of course, make sure you follow DNT on social media at Dealer News Today. I am your host, Derek D. And if you'd like to learn a bit more about me, well, DerekD.com is where you can do that. Okay, let's get grooving into this episode and talk to my guest. He's got more than 15 years experience in the automotive industry, aerospace, defense, you name it. He works globally with Latin America and Europe. He's a very, very, very smart guy. Please welcome head of the automotive and mobility sector of Bain & Company, Pedro Correa. Did I say that right? Correa is perfect. Yes. Thank you, Derek. Great to be here. (laughs) Okay, good. Sorry about that. I was just double checking to make sure. Uh, But appreciate you coming on DNT, Pedro. But before we jump into the meat and potatoes of the episode, first, tell me a little bit about uh, yourself. Where are you originally from? Well, uh, originally from Mexico City, um, born there, um, and our family moved to Boston when I was young. My, My dad's job took us up there and uh, so I grew up in the States. I grew up in Boston, then went to Houston, um, and uh, and uh, have been have been in in, uh, in in Texas almost almost ever since. Uh, and I, I now live in Dallas, so uh, just a few hours uh, north north of there. And uh, this is this is home. Oh, okay, yeah. I mean, I saw you were you're based in Dallas, but then you were up in you were up in Boston, and you you have you have, you have a MBA from Harvard Business School, correct? That's right. Yeah. So definitely safe to say you're a lot smarter than me. Um, Don't know about that. Now, you know, I'm pretty sure you are. I mean, uh, aerospace and all that stuff, a Harvard MBA. It's okay. I always learn from people smarter than me, so I appreciate it. But anyway, (laughs) so you're based in Dallas. And uh, uh, by any chance, did you happen to go to NADA that was there this year? You know, uh, I I unfortunately missed NADA. We had our uh, our America's leadership team meeting for, for Bain and Company this week. Uh, and so something oh, okay. that I couldn't avoid, but I was actually sad to miss it. Yeah, there was a, there was a, a big uh, event there where the, uh, there was a dinner that DCG put on with uh, Mike Tyson. I just was curious if you <laughs> happened to be there, but I, I guess not. I had heard about that. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was kind of sucks that I wasn't able to go this year. I'm usually there, but I wasn't able to go. Um, but anyway... Let's talk about you and what you do. Again, uh, we're here. Appreciate you coming on Dealer News today. So your title is head of automotive and mobil- head of the automotive and mobility sector of Bain and Company. Um, but to give people more of an idea of exactly what that means, tell tell us what your job entails, and then if you can, you know, give us an idea of what your typical day looks like. You know sure. what I mean? Sure. Yeah. No. Happy to. Um, so you know, we are a, a management consulting firm, right? So we are working with clients really all across the industry. So we work with uh, the automakers, we work with suppliers and dealers, um, you know, aftermarket uh, service providers, the technology providers, um, you know, really the whole, the whole ecosystem. Um, and, you know, yeah. our clients hire us to advise them on, on their strategy, on, on their op- operations, on things like mergers and acquisitions, on, on ultimately how to become, you know, more effective, more efficient, how to create more value. Um, as a company. And so we, you know, we're in the privileged position of getting to see, you know, the industry really from, from all angles, uh, which makes for a a very interesting, 
uh, kind of seat uh, and uh, and gives us a good ability to uh, you know to see a lot of the big trends and, and forces that that are that are at play in the industry, which we of course have had a no shortage of for many many years now. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and so and so you know, a typical day for me is is really kind of you know speaking with speaking with our clients on. On, on many of the issues that they're that they're wrestling with, um, you know, and working with our teams, uh, you know, to come up with points of view and, and recommendations on, you know, on how to navigate those uh, those questions. Yeah, I mean, you said uh, you know you you help your clients in uh, figuring out how to wrestle with these problems and stuff. What do you think one of the biggest issue or problem right now uh, that is facing automakers in the industry? Well, you know, it's um, you know, there's there's been a very interesting. Uh, dynamic at play now for for many years, right? So the the past few years, frankly, have been uh, challenging, but but quite profitable for 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 most oh for, for most sure automakers, yeah. right? Um, <laughs> yeah. Definitely. So you know they've they've I think positioned their businesses to really take advantage of a lot of the supply chain shortages and uh, have been able to shift their their production mix to you know to more premium vehicles. Uh, and have been able to maintain higher, higher pricing, less discounting, right? Uh, as I think uh, many, many consumers, most consumers will probably appreciate. Um, uh, and so OEMs, you know, OEMs have fared uh, quite well uh, in the last few years. I don't, I don't mean to say it's been easy by any means, but, um, but they've. It's been different for been sure. Different. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, but uh, by the way, it hasn't, that, that hasn't been the case for everyone in the industry though. So if you, if you talk to, um, you know, most suppliers, uh, they'll tell you that they feel like they've been in recession for the past two years. Um, you know, their, their businesses have been under under tremendous pressure as uh, as you know the supply chain shortages have have made it more difficult sure. for them to get many of the components uh, that they need for what they provide to uh, to the automakers. They've also had you know a lot of rising costs um, in energy costs, material costs, wage inflation. Um, and and now right. couple that with the uh, the environment that we're in with with rising interest rates and the suppliers businesses have been uh, have been really under uh, under some pressure uh, right so it's it's been it's been interesting to see that um, you know a, a bit of that that difference that dichotomy in this industry where you've got some participants that have that have, that have been faring quite well and others others that have not yeah I re- I read something about I think on your site somewhere about a hurricane scenario yeah. in quotes hurricane scenario for OEMs and suppliers what was that all about maybe you could elaborate a little bit on that yeah that's that's exactly right so we we've been talking about the last few years as, as a bit of a perfect storm for suppliers for all for all the reasons that um, that I just mentioned um, but now we're starting to see the signs that this you know this storm could really turn into a, a hurricane if you follow the analogy uh, oh, to, to, to include uh, the automakers as well and and let me explain a little bit of, uh, of, of why that is. So, um, you know, first of all, we're already starting to see signs that um, the chip supply shortage, which is, you know, plagued, plagued our industry for, for, for two or three years now, is, is expected to, re- you know, to relieve by, by middle of this year, right? We're already starting okay. to see, you know, we're already starting to see uh, inventory levels, you know, start to rise again. You know, you, you can go to a dealer now and, and chances are that they're going to have a few options for you on the lot where, you know, that wasn't the case a year ago. Yeah, right. But at the same time, um, you know, the consumers are facing inflation. Um, you know, there are signs that the economy might be slowing down. 
And, and therefore, you know, a, a possible recession could really dampen, you know, customers' willingness to buy uh, more vehicles. Um, and so all that pent up demand um, that has really been, uh, you know, driving, you know, prices higher and supporting those higher prices by OEMs, um, you know, we think that's, you know, that that's a little bit at risk. And, you know, we're already starting to see some yeah. automakers, um, you know, take uh, take action. Tesla, of course, lowered, uh, lowered the pricing on some of their vehicles uh, uh, recently. Ford just announced that, uh, they're doing they're doing similar for for their Mach E, um, and so oh yeah, really they, 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 they did um, and so plus there's no incentives or anything yeah, either right now no, just don't exist exactly there's there's been no incentives um, but we're we're we believe now that um, that we're going to see a little uh, more pricing pressure for more more automakers to follow suit uh, and I think it's going to be harder for. For automakers, despite despite their best intentions, uh, you know, to really maintain the pricing levels um, of uh, of the last couple of years, and then that's going to make it, you know, therefore even more um, uh, difficult for for suppliers, who frankly will will get no break, uh, you know, from from all of it. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 crazy because obviously you have inflation, so things are more expensive, and then. You know, with the interest rates rising, <clears throat> someone who has even great credit, the interest rate they're getting on a newer used car is pretty high. So it's 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 tough for people. So it's kind of good to hear, I guess, that there some automakers are lowering prices and stuff. But still, you know, the supply and demand issues that's still going on. Um, absolutely. So there's a lot of variables here yeah. <laughs> that are taking a, place. A lot yeah. of a lot of variables, absolutely. And you know, I think. You know, in some ways, it will be good for the consumer, right? Uh, when when prices prices start coming back down, it'll it'll help with uh, with volumes for 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 the OEMs. But but uh, but nonetheless, we do think that you know the profit margins of the major companies in this industry, you know, will 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 be pressured uh, to come down. Sure, definitely. You know, like you were talking before, through the pandemic, the supply demand, the supply and demand issues. You know, the global chip shortage, which you mentioned. You know. The automotive industry, though, as we said, has still been very profitable, you know, which is kind of amazing with all those things going on. What are some of the key takeaways through the end of last year, like 2022, moving forward into 2023 now? You know, I think, you know, last year was last year was, again, great for if you're an OEM, last year was a great year. For sure. Uh, frankly, if you're if you're a, if you're a dealer, obviously, you know, uh, many dealers, I think, listen to your show, Derek. Um, yeah. Dealers, dealers have had. You know, uh, very good years in the last two years, right? Uh, you know, on average, you know, dealer margins have almost you know doubled. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, in in the last two years, um, as a result of all the uh, of, of all the dynamics in the industry, um, and so I think you know, as a whole, you know, you've got the automakers and their dealer partners that are feeling quite good um, with with where things you know where things stand at coming out of the end of the year last year. But we're again, we're already starting to see cracks in in uh, uh, in, in the wall, right? Uh, and and sure. and signs that it's going to be hard to maintain the good times forever. Oh, uh, definitely, it's not going to last. I say this all the time on the show. Like, they have to prepare for the future. It's not going to be this way constantly, where the profits are so exactly, good. Exactly, and you know, and, and obviously, there's you know there. The, there's big macro trends at play, right? With the with the shift to electric electric vehicles and, and automakers mm-hmm. making, you know, 
uh, millions uh, and billions of, 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 uh, of dollars of investment, you know, to pursue electrification in their in their, in their vehicle lineups, right? And then, and then dealers, of course, are going to have to make um, you know similar investments in order to be able to to sell those vehicles, you know, to consumers, right? So um, you know, this is this, yeah. it's, it's a moment in time when when most companies are having to make you know these these pretty massive strategic investments, um, you know, to to stay at to stay ahead of uh, of really where the where, where the puck is moving to, so to speak, um, and um, and position their businesses, uh, you know, accordingly for the future, right? So it's it's a very interesting time when when the industry is transitioning to to new technologies, new powertrains, um, and at the same time facing you know significant economic uh, you know uh, pressures. Um, so it's it's going to be very interesting to see how twenty twenty three plays out. Yeah. And the next few years, you know, like you said before, a lot of dealers listen to this show and I always say, you know, with the transition into, you know, electric cars and the technology that goes along with electric cars. And I always think there's going to be both, at least for the most part, at least in our lifetimes. Um, but a lot of these dealerships, the way they sell, sell, selling cars is going to change. It's already changing. And also these, some of these electric vehicles are so highly advanced. Like these, Salespeople that work at these dealerships are going to have to take a course in how to learn how to work this car. So when someone comes in to buy it, you know how to explain to them, especially like, and no offense to older folks, but older folks who aren't as technologically savvy, they're going to have to learn to use these cars. So it's, it's the dealership world is changing for sure. It, it, it absolutely is. Um, and, you know, in our view, uh, the dealers are going to play an absolutely critical role uh, in helping in helping consumers, um, you know, really adopt this this new technology. Um, you know, you know, the early adopters, right, have, have been have been quick to jump on on the uh, the electric vehicle uh, kind of bandwagon. Uh, but you know, for most consumers out there, you know, as as you say, Derek, that they're going to need they're going to need help, right? They're going to need yeah, um, kind of. Uh, you know, taught and explained, you know, how, how uh, the, the, these new vehicles kind of function, the concept of an over-the-air update, right? How to think about charging and what you need at home and, um, you know, all of that. And so dealers are going to have to be well-prepared to, you know, to help their customers kind of navigate through all that. Um, and um, yeah, and, you know, in our view, I think, you know, dealers are just going to be, you know, just a, a continue to be a very critical role, uh, play a critical role um, in this industry. As a result, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what dealerships look like in ten years. Well, you know, I because I don't think you need the amount of cars. We I say this on the show all the time. You don't need the amount of cars on the lot anymore that you had in the past. The way people buy is differently. They buy online, the Carvanas of the world, the Vrooms of the world. You know, they just got to readapt and adjust to all the new changes in the technology that's changing everything. Absolutely. So it'll be interesting to see what what it's like um, in the in the next decade or so, even in the next few years. So I, I saw something on the Bain.com website that said there are, are, are five critical trends. You guys call them the five races and that they will not only reshape the industry, but also society. Can you just elaborate on what that means? And sure, what those five sure. Yeah. Are? So, you know, these are these are the big macro trends that, that I think many of, many of us in the industry are are kind of following. Right. So um, aut autonomy, connected vehicles, uh, oh, electrification, shared mobility. Uh, and then uh, we add the R to the front of that word for a real customer focus. 
And what we mean, what we mean by that last one is, um, you know, it, it's quite interesting, but um, the customer experience, right? The experience of buying and owning and servicing, you know, uh, uh, your, your car, uh, it turns out, Derek, that that matters just as much as the car itself. Is, oh, for which, sure. You know, can, yeah. can be you know can be sacrilege in some circles, right? I'm I, I'm actually a car guy myself, and I, you know I. Oh, I was going to ask you that. I asked everyone on the show that they're a car yeah. guy or, not, or a car person. Yeah, no, I you know love cars. Grew up with model cars. You know, posters of cars on my walls, right? Love, love the design, love the aesthetics, love the engines, right? Learn. Yep, me too. I'm, I'm a car guy. Learn, learn to drive on the stick shift, right? All, all of it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you know, but and so, but when. You know, when you when you actually look at look at the data, and there, there's a lot of data that we've that we track and analyze on this, um, it turns out that the customer experience matters just as much as the vehicle. Uh, mm-hmm. And you know, there's there's a metric that that we use, um, Derek, called the Net Promoter Score. Uh, what the was it Net called? Promoter Score. The Net Promoter yeah, Score. Yeah. So okay. you know, uh, you you might you might be familiar with this, right? So um, if you've ever been asked. If you would recommend, you know, this brand or this product or this car to a friend or a family member, uh, yeah. that, that's uh-huh. the net promoter question. Uh, and, you know, those that answer a nine or a 10 are called promoters. Those that answer a six or below are called detractors. And then those that answer seven or eight uh, are called uh, passive. Uh, and, you know, promoters are the ones that are your you know, evangelists for for the brand, for the product, the ones out there, you know, singing singing right. your praises to all their friends and family members, and of course, the trackers doing the opposite, and and then passives, uh, you know, passives are are really kind of you know neutral, right? Uh, not not one way or the yeah. other. And you know, it it's and I I call out this metric because it turns out when you run a correlation of of brands, right, uh, and their net promoter score. With this, with their sales and sales growth, it correlates highly. So you know, companies, brands that that have a higher share of promoters based on their customer experience uh, actually grow at twice the rate as an average company. Uh, and they also, by the way, they also happen to have lower costs. Um, it's amazing, it's amazing right. but when you, you actually generate, you know, uh, customer loyalty for an affinity for for your brand uh, you can actually operate at lower cost um, and so you know this this really matters it turns out the customer experience really matters it, it helps drive and fuel kind of companies growth and in and in our industry dealers play an absolutely critical role in creating loyal customers for their brands right so oh for yeah. sure I agree with yeah. that yeah. so, let, so let, let me give you an example right so um, you know a service kind of episode, right? So when you have to take your your car in to get serviced, um, you know that can either be a great experience or it can be a not great experience. <laughs> yeah. um, and um, it turns out that customers who are happy with that service experience, you know, they're able to get an appointment. It's easy. It's easy to do. Uh, they have a loaner car. They have a loaner car, <laughs> right? Um, you know, they get explained very clearly. You know what's what the issue is with their car, how long it's going to take, right? Uh, the dealer is able to meet that uh, that expectation. You know, all of the above. It turns out that customers who come back and are happy with that service experience are more than twice as likely 
to buy from that same brand again as unhappy customers. Oh, yeah. I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. So, so we, we, we call it kind of, you know, thinking about thinking about the customer experience as, as really a pre-sales activity instead of a post-sales activity, right? So if, if uh, you know, as, as, as an automaker, as a dealer, right, thinking of that, that experience as a way to generate more loyal customers that will kind of stay with your brand and, and be customers long to the future. Yeah, I think one thing dealerships really need to do, though, and, and what you said was very insightful, I, I think one thing they need to do, though, so many people, you know, when they have basic things or not even that basic things go wrong with a the car, they don't take them back to the dealership because dealerships tend to cost a lot more money. And th- I feel like they need to address that and figure that out because you'd like to take it, you know, your VW to the VW dealership. It just keeps it all in the same family, so to speak. But, you know, I just had to get the the temperature flaps on my VW um on the passenger side, you know, you know, the little flaps when you put the fan on and they weren't working, little motors broke. And the dealership was cost like almost $800 more than having my local, um, you know, uh, mechanic who uses VW parts. It, it was way cheaper. And I went with them, of course. So they, I feel like they got to figure out a way to keep the customer happy in that sense, too, and figure out, figure out a way to maybe lower the costs of some of these, uh, you know, uh, things you'd get done for your car at the dealership when things go wrong. That's my yeah, take. Well, I, I think many customers would, would probably agree with you. Uh, and, yeah. um, you know, I think that's right. I think, I think dealers, um, you know, have, have uh, been struggling, you know, having enough, frankly, enough technicians, technicians, enough capacity in their service bays, right. To really keep up with all the demand. And so, uh, you know, so at some level, you know, that, that does enable to, uh, enable them to, uh, you know, to maintain higher pricing, particularly particularly when they're doing a lot of warranty work, uh, you know, for vehicles that are still in warranty. Uh, for yeah, them. mine is not. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But exactly. So if you if you're if you're if you're a you know a car owner that has that has an older car and um, you know it, it 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 probably is challenging, right? To number one, get an get an appointment with with uh, with a dealer, and number two, get a, get a pricing that's that's competitive. Yeah, I mean, you know, my my car is immaculate. It's a 2017 black Passat R line with modifications, all the bells and whistles. Looks brand new, but yeah, the dealership quoted me at, at like almost 1,600 bucks or, or more, and, and my mechanic was able to do it for. You know, it was like eight ninety or so, and yeah. that's still expensive, but it's a very significant difference, and it's still using VW yeah. parts. You know, that's one thing dealerships need to figure out and and find a balance between customers being able to just go to their mechanic instead of the dealership, and you you, you know you got to keep the customers happy, and a lot of times at dealerships the service is just too expensive comparatively. Um, but I think they're going to figure that out. I mean, they they, they have to at this point. Um, anyway, a couple, a couple more questions. How does Bain and Company view the automotive market right now? And what is your thoughts on what the auto industry of the future will look like? I know it's kind of a blanket question, but that was something Um, I uh, read on your site, I think. First of all, I think this is an incredibly exciting time uh, to to be in this industry. Uh, We're seeing, you know, new car companies popping up, you know, all over the world. Um, Just uh, an amazing amount of new uh, vehicle models. Uh, being introduced, um, you know, each year. Uh, I mean, literally, right? Uh, dozens of new, um, you know, vehicle models. Uh, you know, electric. Many of them electric, uh, being introduced. Uh, you know, year after year, uh, and we expect that to continue. It's an incredibly exciting time to be a, 
to, to be a customer in this industry. We're getting so much, you know, more choice uh, in, in exciting new platforms uh, and technologies. Um, you know, it's going to be uh, very interesting, interesting to see how the, the various automakers really position themselves, you know, to win into the future. Uh, many of them are talking about, you know, new, new business models, um, you know, things like a subscription service, right? right. We've, seen, yeah. we've seen many, uh, many companies uh, across the world, you know, attempt, attempt to try to, um, you know, sell cars via, via, via subscription, right? So, you know, great, you know, I don't want to own just one car, you know, I actually could benefit from having, um, you know, access to multiple different cars, you know, maybe I'm, maybe I'm taking my family out for, for a long weekend, you know, uh, but, but, you know, maybe I prefer a smaller car for my, for my daily commute, et cetera, right? But things, things like that. Uh, I think we're going to get, we're going to start to see more choice uh, and maybe new ways of thinking about mobility um, that'll make it very, very interesting and, and exciting to, you know, uh, for, for, for really all the customers. Yeah. And especially with autonomy and all that stuff yeah. kind, of, kind of at the forefront now, I mean, it's going to take a while with all the safety precautions that comes along with that, but that's definitely in the forefront of, of everything. Uh, what, one more question before we get going, if there is one piece of advice, like we said, you know, a lot of dealers and a lot of dealership owners listen to this show. If there's one piece of advice you could give to a dealership owner right now what what would that yeah, be you know i think it, it would be embrace your customers right um sure you know they d- dealers play such a critical role in the ecosystem roll with the changes yeah that's right roll <laughs> with the changes and help and help your customer kind of navigate navigate through it right uh, i think you know most, most customers when we survey when we survey customers most customers will tell you you know they really value uh, their dealer relationship, right? The ability to you know, to go to someone to get answers, to get support, to get help, uh, and so you know, embracing your customers and helping them navigate, you know, uh, you know, the transition to electrification and some of these new business models that are popping up there, right? I think the dealers have a have an incredibly important role to play. Yeah, absolutely. They, they definitely have a very important role to play, and you know, a shift that they are going to have to embrace. You know, roll with the changes and shift with the times because that's happening. Uh, anyway, Pedro, yeah. Anyway, Pedro, this has been fun and enlightening. I appreciate you coming on the show. Anything else you'd like to throw in before we get out of here? Derek, thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed the conversation. Yeah, this was fun for sure. We always like to get the different aspects of people in the automotive industry, and you definitely uh, lent your expertise in, in, in that uh in that way and we do appreciate it so thank you so much for coming on all right thank you Derek. you got it that was pedro correa head of the automotive and mobility sector for bain and company for more information on them head over to bain.com and that will do it for this episode of dnt follow us on social media at dealer news today i am your host Derek d Derek d.com for all my stuff of course appreciate you listening everybody and until next time this is dealer news today